welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia, and I am so excited to have a guest on who I've been following for three years, probably. I don't even know at this point. Um, I think we first got connected because of our shared podcasting experience and, you know, just mutual people in our lives. Can you introduce yourself for all the listeners? Hello, hello. Oh my gosh. I am just so happy to be here with you, honestly. And yes, yeah, so my name is Amal Amer. My pronouns are they, them. I am a transdisciplinary artist, uh, storyteller, performer, facilitator, currently based in Tongva land in Los Angeles, California. And yeah, like we it honestly has been like almost... 2018 what is time like how long has that been four years wow four years okay so when did you start okay when did you start the podcast diaspora babes yeah so you're referring to diaspora babes which was a podcast that i started while i was living in paris france post graduation um and diaspora babes was like a collective storytelling kind of experiment for queer uh, creatives of color on kind of like maintaining their creative practice in community, basically. And that was in, that was the end of 2018, I believe, that I started that. Okay, yeah, because I remember we connected before that. So it was, yeah, 2018. Yeah, it's kind of surreal to finally be talking to you in real time after like seeing so much um, that you've been doing and then also uh, we'll get into this later, but you and Nadia will be working on something together coming up. Um, so it's kind of a lot of things are coming full circle, which is really exciting. Um, yeah, so can you tell everyone a little bit more about like whatever you want to share, your background artistically or um, Swana wise or both? Yeah, so. Um... As I mentioned, Amal Amer is my name, and my family is Yemeni and Lebanese. I grew up in the Central Valley of California, um, where I've been like raised and stuff. I am non-binary, queer, trans, um, and my pronouns are they, them, as I said. And I like to describe my practice as transdisciplinary, both like referring to the ways that I move across media and spaces, as well as like to refer to my gender. And I also feel like a lot of my art is about like transformation, transmutation, transcendence, um, like a lot of like beautiful trans kind of expansive um, explorations and metaphors and things like that. And um, so what that actually looks like is a lot of really colorful work, um, lots of use of like color as a way of kind of like delighting the senses. I derive a lot of my practice like from learning how like queer and trans folks of color like hold space for each other. Like that was really the way that I developed like the kind of holding space element in my work. Um, so let me back up a little bit. So in all the kind of ways that I work, like I feel like my art is really about storytelling, about healing and about holding space like for folks to feel connected or interconnected and to feel like loved and feel like they're supported and the connection kind of really comes like both with other people, you know, but like beyond that with the, like with the more than human world. So connection to star realms, connection to the earth, connecting to plants and growing things, like growing things and plants and rocks and the earth and our ancestral homes, our ancestral earth and stuff like that. And the things that like grow and folks in the spirit realm. And again, like all sorts of things like that. So it's about like these ecosystems of connection um, and how like those are just like so, how that kind of like binds us all together into like life and death and 
transforming all of that. Uh, yeah, so that's just like kind of, I can get so much more into the art stuff, but I feel like that's like a little bit to go oh, that's off That's of. beautiful. There's so much, um, when it comes to humanity, there's a lot that's just kind of like compartmentalized and sterile and people often forget how dependent we are on all of what you mentioned and like the connection between or among all of these elements of our planet and beyond uh, that exist. Um, before we started recording, you mentioned this really cool phrase um, that I'll remember. It's creative ecosystems and art. Do you want to talk a little more about what you mean by that? 100%. So I actually came to think, I came to the phrase like creative ecosystems and art or really just thinking of ecosystems as like uh, one of the one of the hallmarks of my practice, one of the, the things that I like really ground in um, while I was doing my, like in the preparation of coming to like my solo show, I Love You Like the Stars back in, um, May and June of 2021, curated by Saudi Cuban curator Lujane Bagger, who I've worked with a lot over the years. He's a very like good friend of mine as well. And this show actually was installed installed in the Starfed Garden, which was like a community garden project that I was developing during my time as an artist in resident at Hatch Workshop in Stockton, in my hometown, over the pandemic. And I like started working and or started like tending the land in front of my studio space in downtown Stockton, um, which is like this or east, like East Stockton kind of next to the downtown, which is this really economically disinvested in area. Like there's a lot of infrastructure decay. You know, there's a lot of just, it's just a really hard life there. And that's like, that's structurally kind of, um, created by the freeway that was built through the neighborhood, by the, in other ways, strategic disinvesting in like historic communities of color in Stockton. And so the land there really reflects that. It's also like really neglected in kind of this industrial area. And during the pandemic, like 2020 or early phase of pandemic, you know, when we're all locked down and like not seeing folks like I just felt so alone and it was so hard. And I started working in the land there. I was like, I am so tired of going outside of my studio and seeing this ugly, like it's collecting trash. People are like neglecting this, like the sense it's beautiful. But, and then like this land here is just, you know, uh, it's just, it's like, it's like calling out to me because like sterile is like, you know, the microbes have been wiped, right? And there's so much of like nature, what is what all is natural that like a lot of humans are disgusted by. One hundred percent, yeah. And so it was very much kind of like that around there. I started working with the land, like with friends, kind of who I would invite sometimes. Though a lot of it was also when that wasn't available because of pandemic conditions kind of was me and the stars and then the plants and then folks who walk by in the neighborhood. And really like, I just have this image of like stamping in the dirt and like carving things up and working things into the soil. Like as I was hearing about the surges, as I was hearing about the thousands of people dying, um, as all of these transformations was happening and all just feeling like so held by the land and all of that. And I would learn like, you know, I would plant things and some things would take, some things weren't because the conditions are there. Very harsh in the summer, you know, with the wind and the heat and the like over a hundred degrees, you know, it's like full sun out there and some plants would die, but then like actually like new plants would grow in those places, like where the soil had been loosened or something like that, or baby plants or seeds would come up like where uh, like in the shade of other plants and then like I remember the first time a hummingbird came and butterflies and they would like kind of join and just seeing kind of all that happen and then uh, other folks would come and like bring um, plants to go into the ground and they would like support the growth of other plants and things like that and folks on the street like neighbors would walk by like both in-house folks as well as like 
people who had houses like around the block and things like that. And they like would be invited into Hatch, you know, which is an arts organization to kind of like be more integrated with the community. People like, oh, what's going on here? Thank you. These flowers are beautiful kind of thing. Da, 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 da. And like, again, it was over that time too, that Hatch, which was like an outside, which was founded originally by like outside folks from outside of town kind of really like brought in folks who were from Stockton in a way who could um, again, like integrate into, into the community. And I just recognized that like this was part of my art as well. And that I re realized that the way that I feel about working with all my like queer and trans community of color, like trans, queer and trans folks of color who are like working in the garden with me and the ways that I was just working with them in life generally, that it was like the plants, you know what I'm saying? Like the ways that we would come up in each other's shadow or that we would support each other. We'd bring like pollinators together and the pollinators would go to all of us and that we would like bloom together and then things would be composted and we're coming from like, you know, this soil of loss and grief and displacement and all the violence that like we've had to deal with in our lives and our homelands and things like that. And yeah, so that was like kind of a long story of kind of where that came from. But basically, Creative Ecosystems is like this podcast, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, where it's like all kinds of like not just mediums of art, but even beyond that, like just any type of creativity comes together in one place and we explore how those types of thinking or types of creativity depend on one another and are connected which I think is important to like recognize um, and to embrace our dependence on our community and also our power to do you know make a, a huge difference I mean even like with whatever resources we have at any given time. Um, yeah, I, I love that. I, I love that phrase and I'm going to remember, it's gonna stick with me for sure. Good, yeah. yeah I think yeah. what you're saying is it's about the relationships, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing with ecosystems is all about the relationships among the, the plants, but also not just of the same like kinds of life, but the plants, the birds, the microbes, the mycelium, as well as the things that are dead, you know, like the formerly living plants that then like enrich the soil and things like that. So all of it kind of has its place. And you also brought up resources. So that's so right. Like ecosystems are like masters at redistributing energy and resources, the way that like trees kind of like feed each other. And I love, like, I really owe a lot to, um, like indigenous folks on their like knowledge keeping of the ways of like um, the way ecosystems in Turtle Island kind of work and everywhere, but especially here and thinking of like Robin Wall Kimmer and braiding sweetgrass and um, the ways that basically scientists kind of originally thought of ecosystems as like a competition things like uh, the trees are competing for light and like resources and all of that. And now it's more like, oh, actually, they're sharing resources. They're like connecting underground. They're communicating with each other, and that like creates the strongest networks. And that the strongest ecosystems are ones where everyone kind of has their place. And for me, this is all like about the creative relationships, right? Like yeah. instead of com competing, instead of we're like working yeah. together. You know. Yeah. To go back to kind of the isolation element that a lot of us felt, especially at the start of the pandemic, where we were many of us were quarantined. Um, how, in what ways, I guess, were you able to um, engage with community in that context while uh, nurturing this land? You know, was this something that kind of spilled over into have, finding community with other people? Or did you find it more like your relationship with the land is what was, you know, most vital at that moment most what sticks out at that time mm. 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 this is a beautiful question 
Um, I really feel like that was such a time of contrast and extremes, right? And in the isolation, it was very much, I developed so many new relationships and was so much more conscious about those relationships in relationships with stories, um, relationships with like my ancestry, um, relationship with, again, like stars and like learning the star stories and seeing them every night because I was living in like a shed basically out in my parents' backyard at the time. So I would see the stars every single night as I was learning about these things around me, it was like awakening things in me. Um, so that was happening in the physical realm, right? The physical and the spiritual realm. And at the same time, there was all this going on with the digital realm in a whole new way, which I absolutely like loved. I got to see artists perform who I've been following for years, like, but I had never been in the same city as them. And yet I got to see their work or, and talk to them and things like that because of Zooms. And, you know, Sala, I, I did Salan Al-Mahjar and kind of, I think it was summer of 2020 who like, I feel like I saw you and Nadia yes, on that. Yes, we were there. Right? Yeah. So things like that. Yeah, right? that was a time you and I could both be there because of mm -hmm. how it was set up. Yeah. Plus, like a lot of um, queer Muslim organizations had like classes and workshops and community circles. I went to a lot of uh, Iowa Chicago, Iowa Hafta Chicago programming as well, like meeting folks there. And I also like got involved with Swana Ancestral a little bit and started learning from that collective body of knowledge and Leila Fagali and the Remembrance Circles there as I was like engaging with the, the, the dirt and the plants and ecosystems and physical space. And so all of that was happening that was so, so, so powerful. Um, in addition to like almost a weekly poetry club I had with two of my really close college friends where we'd literally read poetry to each other every week oh, and talk about it. Perfect. Oh, that's so cathartic and comforting. Um, yeah. Wow. You know, like this connection that's already come up in our conversation that is striking to me is like what you've brought up so far about our ancestors, ancestry, um, and then how the dead plants have uh, a place with all of the living, among all of the living uh, plants and organisms and that. And, and so just you mentioning that and then also mentioning um, the place our ancestors have. Our, mm. I just think that's a really cool kind of simultaneous uh, conversation, you know? Like, oh, it's beautiful. Something that is, you know, someone or, or a, even a plant that has left us in the physical world um, is still feeding or like helping the living develop. And it, it's just mm. really beautiful to me. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're literally yeah. in us, you know, they're yeah. in the um, marrow of our bones, like the things mm -hmm. we ate. Yeah. And my family's actually indigenous to southern Yemen. Like they are, my dad grew up in a village farming, which is where they've been like for, you know, generations out of memory basically. And so I'm like kind of the first generation that hasn't been spending most of my life farming basically. Um, and like, I feel like there's something in me that is just like, I don't know what to do, <laughs> you know? Which again, like 100% love being an artist in the way that I get to and, and having like mobility in the world in a way that um, I have as well and all of these things. And also like, there is that in my body still. Um, like the way that like my dad during the pandemic, I brought him some Tulsi I was growing and Tulsi has grown in their village and his, my dad's kind of shut down, but then his whole face changed. And he was like, oh, it reminds me of my mom. And 
my home and he started like telling me about also how his dad like literally knew when to plant and grow things based on like the stars on like how they would rise with the mountains and things like that and you know I'm like a big astrology person as well and that kind of led to the poem that I did around what you're asking around all the relationships during the isolation and it's called heart star fed and the first line of it goes um so much of this time I've spent stargazing staring at my friends faces over zoom screens and I got into like again how like my ancestors knew how to literally feed themselves like not just my like ancestors in the far away but also literally like my grandfather like knew how to feed themselves by the stars by things that were thousands of years away right and so all of that like is infused in us in different ways and is there for just like telling the story in a way that we didn't that we yeah telling the story differently you know what I'm saying yeah yeah the impact that stars have on like thousands of future uh, thousands of years into the future is just unreal jumping forward um i was wondering so you and i also talked before we start recording about the ancestry of desire um so yeah i guess i'll just ask you to maybe explain to the listeners what that is and then i'll ask you um you know a little bit more specifically about it about um the elements of it for sure so creative ecosystems like that's it's really like a such a time traveler both to the past with diaspora babes and to like and with the kind of creative storytelling practices that we're having there where I would like ask folks to send in voice notes basically on their thoughts and just kind of talk about what they were like their thoughts around creativity and this and that and moving forward to ancestry of desire that's really matured in a way like three four years later um into this collective storytelling performance that i've developed in my residency at coaxial arts foundation in los angeles and it's around basically like the intersections of myth and stories with the lived experience of queer and trans Swana folks, basically. The ways that like, again, stories from our culture and our heritage, and whatever, you know, the things that like are shared across the Swana region or things that are particular to like, our ancestral lineage, like what relationship we have, those have to our lived experiences of love and desire. Um, you know, so I explore Al-Flila Walila, um, the Um Kuthum song, you know, as well as some of the references to the Thousand and One Nights, you know, collection of stories. It's famous, but like more with Um Kuthum and her Alfila Walilo or Thousand One Nights that she sings and things like that, or the stories of Leila Majnoon um, that have moved around the Swana region in different varieties, or the um, rebirth of Inanna or Ishtar, which is like one of the foundational, like oldest myths from our region as well. Um, and so just kind of all of this all of these stories are kind of like my feed for this as well. And like kind of thinking of the intersections of that and then like um, autobiography and the loves that like I've had or experienced um, with friends, with place, with self, with family, with chosen family, blood family, um, with lovers as well. Just thinking about like love in a really expansive way, you know, beyond like kind of heteronormative pairings. And it's a collective storytelling performance. So each time I perform the piece, I work with different like um, queer trans Swana artists basically. So that as like it kind of the piece travels and grows that it 
basically kind of more people are able to bring their stories into into the be in, into being with it you know oh, into relationship with this it's beautiful i think um queer folks queer and trans folks like we have a really specific and special relationship to stories and myths um, because we are in a society that makes us have to use our imaginations and like depend on these mythological maybe fantasies at times for us to even get through um, our lives when we have mm. many odds against us um, growing up and trying to navigate through this world that tells us there's one way of existing. And so I think that is a really amazing element and the, and the way that you connect that to people's realities, because um, what becomes a lot of queer and trans folks realities are, those are maybe inspired by uh, fantasies or stories Mm. inspired by and so they become so real that they are our realities um yeah because we yeah it's like we de we we have to grasp onto our hopes and our fantasies in order mm. to keep going um yeah so i i really i like that i like that you have been i guess exploring the interdependence on the two and then also recognizing how integrated these are like stories um even if they're fictional and our realities yeah oh i love yeah. i feel like what you're also talking about was the departure from stories you know and departure from fantasies in a way of like you know, maybe growing up, if you were told like, oh, well, you know, you're going to like be married to a certain sort of person from a certain sort of place and you're going to do like these sorts of things. You know, me totally like growing up, seeing all the Yemeni girls like getting married. I was like, well, yeah, like yeah. that's, that's, that's going to happen. Yeah, like, you're like, that's <laughs> where I'm headed, I guess. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. oops. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and for me also, you know, like, and this, I feel like this is an experience that so many um, so many Swana folks share, though not to generalize everyone's experience at all, but like I was never able to share any of my loves with my like my parents. You know, it was very much like anything sex or love was and is a taboo. Like it's not something that they're open to like sharing, things like that. And so and, and it's like going through heartbreak without like in going through heartbreak like while having to like hide it or keep it away like kind of thing it's just so hard and I mean of course I had that experience growing up in the U.S. and but like hearing from friends who've endured heartbreak like living in like um in like so on communities where also it would be criminalized as well or something like that like that's like an even more intense experience and so I just really feel like it's just for me at least really beautiful and such a privilege and so healing to be able to like cultivate this space of telling the different stories and being like yeah like this this was the juicy details right? of what down here like ooh, yeah. kind of thing you you're know like, now i yeah it's like <laughs> all this shit you've had to suppress like go for it <laughs> and there's so much power in it you know yeah. Yeah, because it wasn't just like they're oppressing the stories and oppressing the power, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the place that we should all have in this world to communicate our our experiences. Um, to be loved and to love, yeah. Yes, yes, and to like feel community. Like when we're going through heartbreak, we should have community. And mm. a lot of times um, we might be in settings where our type of heartbreak is not accepted mm. and not acceptable to talk about. Yeah. 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 So yeah. you showed some really amazing images of an installation um, that's in connection with uh, Ancestry of Desire. Can you just kind of summarize to people like 
what the installation was and what happened at it? For sure. So, yeah. you know, just think you're on a busy street and like just a bit, just a teeny bit south of downtown LA, you know, it's like loud, there's a freeway right there. It's sunny, of course. And then you go in to this kind of storefront where the Coaxial Arts Foundation is um, with these windows and you go in and it's completely dark. And then you hear this kind of ambient like music that just reminds you of like something transporting and opening inside you. And you start to see like these warm colors like orange and red and pinks, maybe little bits of blue or green. And then there's like this shredded dyed rainbow kind of like fabric like hanging right in front of your face and you look through it like through the tears in it and you see like these pieces of cloth and fabric strung up in the space the fabric is like orange and pink and is moved in this way that like the colors move across it in a way that looks geological and you see other shreds of fabric kind of hung up in the space and through all of this, like there are these, these ghostly image projections that move around it. That's this figure dancing and bending their back, you know, like reaching, like opening their chest to the sky and like moving around in the projection, like this rainbow um, cloth that travels across all the physical surfaces in there and just moving you around. And you're just like, wow, what is this kind of magical cloth garden where I feel like I'm in another world and maybe I'm in like a love tent or like a a you know like a place like the, the that's been set up for the wedding tent you know after like at a queer wedding or something and you like move in and there's this green like Persian rug that's been dyed like in the similar tie-dye way as the fabrics and just lay down on it and you like look up and you listen to the music and feel like you're in a like a garden stargazing or maybe like in a, a desert or I don't know where and you just kind of like hang out and you notice that there's some books of poetry there's Rumi there's Nazar Gabani like there's different things you just sit there and you read a little bit and wow. yeah speaking of poetry <laughs> <laughs> Um, you've written some gorgeous poetry that you are generously um, offering to share to the listeners. Um, so would you be open to reading some of that? I would. I would absolutely love to do that. Yeah, because these are the poems that I wrote to be performed in that space, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm so happy to like so to, to, to share them with the listeners now that I've kind of set the scene there. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm almost there. I have like some FOMO, but less so. Now I, I can picture it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this first poem is called Five Times a Day. And it's about wonder and worship. And it has it is, is like has erotic stuff and it's made like the first part of it I wrote like right after like one of the first times I really had this powerful artistic collaboration with another queer swanner performer um like when I was in Paris and we were creating together and it was just so beautiful and we've been friends a while and we, we've like fell in love as well like while we were making work together and it was like right before I was leaving. So it was just like a really very sweet moment that just awakened so much in me. And I remember like when I woke up with them and you know, the sun in Paris is a precious commodity, but it was sunny. It was so beautiful. And I just felt like this deep peace that I felt like was just so new for me. And I wrote the first verse of this. And yeah, so I'll continue that, you know, <laughs> five times a day. I wanted to pray when I woke up next to you. Sabah al-khair, sabah al-noor. Make wudu in the morning light. 
press my head to the earth between your thighs. Duhor. Each shirt is a person and each prayer rug is a time I've prayed for you. I think of the times we've laid down on your bedroom floor. You throw your hair back like a warrior before you plow me. Asr. In a Zoom workshop during Ramadan on art as worship. I am given the choice to design a prayer mat or a portrait, and I think to draw a prayer rug with your body because I feel closest to worship when laying my head to your sternum, prostrating, maghrib, in a garden. I say to her, sometimes I am your mother and sometimes you are mine. Aisha, she says to me, I have a home in your heart. And there's a home for you in my heart too. And I repeat this as a prayer at Fajr, this due while you recite Al-Fatiha, the opening that brought you into this world, carved by my lips each time I face Al-Rahman. I pray to Allah five times a day to fuck you. I pray to Allah five times a day on top of you. I pray to Allah five fingers inside you. This is me snapping. <laughs> Thank you. Are there any other pieces you would like to read? Sure. Like, okay. I feel like I've spent so much of this, like, um, podcast talking about friends and things like that. And now, like, friends and community and all of this. And now I'm, like, getting into, like, the whole spicy Hell element. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now you all now you all see if you noticed a little E on the iTunes, this is why we had to do it, because you know how iTunes is. (laughs) (laughs) The part everyone's been waiting for. Yeah. And this next one's kind of this next one's also like I don't know, I was just I was writing um I'm going to be performing at a drag show at the end of the month. Oh, that I was like totally down to do. I was like, oh my god, drag show, yes. Hell yeah. Excited. Yeah. No. And then and then the person told me, Oh, it's Disney, actually. It's Disney themed. Like they told me like a week after. Oh my god. Because <laughs> yeah. I was planning on doing some of this work and yeah. I was like, like, what? like... <laughs> Oh, maybe you can do like a spice spicy Disney. Okay, so literally <laughs> literally that is gonna be Princess Jasmine goes gay ah amazing okay you yeah you nailed it already (laughs) (laughs) and it's gonna be like some funny stuff but also some yearning things like wait like i didn't like i thought i was happy with aladdin like what's good like now i don't even know myself kind of thing the way love undoes you or like while showing you a new version of yourself which i feel like what was happening in that the first verse of five times a day like because I hadn't prayed in a long time and then it was like when I was with someone who like shared like my background as well as like my like and we were like so inspiring to each other like creatively as well like that it kind of awakened that desire for connection to the divine that stayed with me even you know like we're just friends now like in different continents you know but it stayed with me and it stayed with me in different relationships because you know these verses were written at different times and things like that, that yearning to connect to, to the divine in love and things like that. And there's something, um, yeah, there's something so spiritual about finding those, that type of connection. And so like, Mm. this this totally makes sense to me. Mm. So that's like a little context for this next one, which the title changes, but like basically. And I'm kind of playing on the fact of like Leila, meaning night, you know, but also like the name of like a really common Swana name. And it references, there's a couple of references. I feel like sometimes when I performed this before, I haven't like given any context. <laughs> Which, you know, like, if you get it, you get it great. And if you don't, like, but I, I, I have the chance to at least provide a little bit of context now. <laughs> um, so there's several references and, like, word plays in all of this. And my word plays are, like, I'm not, my Arabic 
is not super great. You know what I'm saying? Like I've been around it my whole life, but it's not coherent completely, right? But it still comes through really powerfully, like in my art and in my life, like with others, like and when I'm like with folks who I love who are speaking Arabic, and I don't understand everything, but I understand like emotionally, you know, as well. And so I feel like I play with that in my poetry, and there's sort of like a like this um, almost a reverence, like a reverence, but like you know, with combining things that um, because like my brain's not super disciplined with it, it just like allows me to kind of like bring things together anyway. So there's Unkulthum's Alhlila Walila, which is a thousand and one nights. And she sings it's one of her like later songs and one of her most famous as well. And of course the title Alhlila Walila refers to like the old collection of stories, a thousand and one nights, which you know Europeans and Americans like like and know more than Swana people, but you know, that tells the story of Shahryar and Shahrazad, who, you know, like to save her life from this king who wants to kill women every night. Like she tells them a story, right? And it's so exciting that like to save her life, like she continued the story. Like he 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 spares her life so she can continue it the next day. And through this, like they find love. But through Um Kothum's song, um she's not referring to that specifically. There's the context, but what she sings about is like a love that a love that's so powerful that you want one night to last a thousand nights. She's like singing about like, I wanna live in the eyes of the night and like we're with the stars and the moon and together like let the sun not come for, you know, until it's been a thousand nights and that's the sort of love that we have. And Um Thum is also like a queer icon. <laughs> we're pretty sure like historically that she actually like was into women and things like that there were several kind of like things where she kind of got in trouble or there was some kind of associations with like being a bit too close with women and so she ended up marrying this doctor who you know people are suggested maybe it was a beard or something like that but there's pictures of her like with women on her lap or like kissing her and stuff like that and you know, even if it's just a little bit of fantastical archival retelling, I'm down for it. She's ours. You cannot take it from me. <laughs> and so I love thinking of this song as like, it's like her code. She's like code switching. So even though she's singing about the nights, like she's actually thinking, she's actually singing about like a specific woman, you know, or a specific person, Alela. So there's that reference. So this is the whole kind of context for this one. This poem, and and then the last one I forgot this, but Majnun Alela, you know the really common like love story across the Swana region where this person Majnun is is so in love with the, his Leila who he's separated from that he loses his name and he's only known as Majnun or the possessed one. Um, yeah, so Aflila Majnuna, Ana Majnun. I am Majnoon Bilal, possessed by love. You and I met dancing with other people, said if I needed a place to stay, I was welcome with you, always would be. Well, I knew how that goes. Dance floor synchronicity, your body finding mine and asking with your thighs and eyes, would you like to come home with me? And this person, Leila, who I am inviting to, Layla, who had a tattoo of her parents' wedding mogul style on her back, and me, and you. So two became three, and one trans non-binary person, a they-them-femme, and a bi-bay became three <laughs> girls in the backseat of a lift. The taxi driver, who was Pakistani too, saw the three of us holding hands and caressing and said, oh, you... Three girls must be good friends. <laughs> Best friends, Layla said. Very good friends, though we had just met. Oh, yes, you look like my childhood friends and best friends. Brown girls I grew up with, with big eyes and big tits and black hair, whose grandmothers and aunties had fed me. Their nannies and khalas 
girls who I had fought next to, slept next to, fought for, cussed out boys for, all as platonic teenage friends before I knew who I was and what I wanted and how and who every Layla has their majnoon, the driver told Layla, a wink and a yearning in his voice. I knew this to be true as I held hands with her and once we were inside, showered together, soul cleansed, looking at the two babes holding each other in the water and thought, this is why I'm religious. Layla laid next to us as I held you down, hair dark and wet, my mouth and both of yours and hers, Alf Lila Walila, my auntie, my best friend, my professor, all Layla, now you, Layla, making my face a throne, buried in this Layla, Tabarni fi Layla, Ayat al Kursi, Layla al Qadr, could get one finger in, then four fingers in, the night open to me with pussy tasting like vodka and breaking up with your boyfriend yesterday. Give me that Layla, Majnuna, Ana, Ma'ana, Teresa, wa Layla, don't kiss us while I continue to kiss you laying together with the day and I left. When Um Kulthum sang about a Leila, she sung about a thousand Leilas with their bright eyes, one every night for a thousand nights. Yes. Thank you for this. This is the type of religious spiritual content I am all for. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh. And what a tribute to Um Kalthum, too. There was a lot she wasn't given the space to express, and that's honored in this poem. Thank Gorgeous. you. Gorgeous. Thank you for that. These poems you you performed at the in like at the space that you talked about, right? The installation. Yes, I did, and Beautiful. I performed them in Oakland at the Arwa Collective fundraiser for LGBTQ folks in Kashmir, in occupied Kashmir. Beautiful. And I'm also going to be performing um, at the, the Bay Area Kusa party for Nowruz, uh, March 19th. So, you know, come if you want to see some of these poems enlivened because, you know, when I perform them, I do it with music, with performers, with dancers, like I dance, you know, like this, Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. it's part of this whole thing, you know? Yeah. It's part of a creative ecosystem. There are, I think we have quite a few listeners in the area, so you all need to come through. This, yes, I, I please. I have serious FOMO right now. Do it, <laughs> do it for us East Coast people. Well, um, you know, I, I really hope you can come out. Um, I know, I do too. I know, we're, I know we're wrapping up and stuff, and like, I just want to put a little shout out for like April 8th, Protea Gallery is having an opening at the brewery in Los Angeles, and that is like this gallery that we're rebooting for like Arab and Swana artists specifically is originally founded by Doris Bitar, who is an incredible Lebanese uh, artist based in San Diego. I met her at the Arab American Anti-Discrimination Committee's convention in Anaheim this past year with Lujain Bagger and Yasmin Qasim, who is an Egyptian like artist based in Egyptian American artist based in San Diego and we're putting together this show and um Doris is also working with Nadia as well and we're just really hoping that you know this first show might be smaller but that this gallery is something where we can bring together like and you know all of our community and have like a space for everyone to like show you know you've had KT on here who's one of my like someone I've also been connected to for such a long time and is just such a powerful artist and like we have so many amazing artist friends and things like that and or artist communities who are just I'm so fed by their work and I'm just honestly like this is inspired by their work but I love like I love them I love their art and all of that and that's what this that's why I do what I do <laughs> that's why I do like my individual performances and that's why like I do like like my individual art and that's why I do like the collective kind of organizing work too because yeah, both are vital um 
Yeah. I just because keep, of that love. Like I first heard about this from Nadia, and then it just keeps like snowballing. Like I keep hearing about more and more people I've connected with who are going to be involved, and it it sounds absolutely incredible. Um, so I'm really excited to follow this, and um, everyone else should too. So, Thank you. Yeah, this this is. I don't know a lot about the LA art scene, um, Swana art scene, but like I hearing about this, I'm like I need I need to be there at some point. So um, cool. So where can people connect with you? Follow you specifically? You personally online? So on Instagram, I am you can do it Habibi Y O U C A N D O I T H A B I B I, and my website is amalamer.com. I really encourage folks to sign up for my mailing list、um, because I don't like being tied to Instagram as a platform, and so that's like a good way to keep up with、mm-hmm. things.、Um, Like、Follow, yeah. So th- those are those are kind of the spots. I just subscribed like earlier today, so yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I'm glad you have that.、Uh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, and I just wanted to put. I feel like this didn't come up earlier, but I just want to make it really explicit. You know, with all of the things, like I think I realized this. I was saying, like, it's love that connects. Like this, for me at least, is is love that connects me to the Swana community. It's like especially queer and trans Swana, like. Folks, not like sameness, right? And with all the collective storytelling, like from diaspora babes to now, like you know, diaspora babes would would have like topics like on when we're talking about the potentials or exploring what it even could mean if it's even possible to decolonize one's art practice, for example. Like people had different opinions. People were like contradicting each other and things like that. And there was space for all of that, and so I feel like for me, it's really important to say in like my in the work that I cultivate, and the the ecosystems that we thrive in, there's space for everyone to be themselves, and to hold that space for everyone to be themselves in relationship to each other, and that's like where the magic and the transformation happens. It's not in us all having the same experience or the same like. Desires or recognitions or like experiences at all, and we can tell our stories together, like in contrast and in difference, with space for all of us to thrive、um, yeah. without it being the same. So yeah. Oh, that's really important. I think yeah, like none of us are representing anyone else when we are. One hundred percent. Experience, yeah. 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 So important.、Um, yeah. It's beautiful. Well, thank you so much. This was. This was a stunning conversation, and、uh, I'm honored that you came on.、Uh, you all can follow us on.、Um, speaking of Instagram, we're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the Queer Arabs, and our website is thequeerarabs.com. And what else? What was the other? Oh, and you can email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.